Shantanu, first of all, welcome to the Design Podcast. Thank you for accepting the invite and thank you for being here. It's my honor and pleasure to have you here. Hey, Sanket. Uh, thank you so much for having me here. And uh, it's a pleasure. And more, so more than anything, it's an honor to be here. And uh, I follow your podcast and I love what you're doing. And I've, in fact, uh, seen almost each and every one of your episodes. Oh, that's very flattering. And actually, it's all because of the support that I am able to keep moving forward. So thank you for all right. that. Uh, I'm excited for a couple of reasons today. Uh, first of all, in general, I'm very excited about this EV transformation, like this EV revolution, right. which this Indian mobility industry is going through. I'm super excited right. about that. And uh, mm. you are one of those people who are like on the forefront of that revolution, right? You're working as a creative lead at Aether. Now, uh, Aether right. itself as a company, as a startup, it has become like a benchmark for uh, many other EV startups, many entrepreneurs right, right. over there. So that is right. a wonderful thing to have. So I'm very excited about Aether. And then uh, Aether 450, the scooter, which you guys have. Right. So you are the right. designer behind that that uh, iconic design. So it's even more exciting to have you here. So, so I have like so many questions related to EV, related to Aether, related to scooter design and things like that. So, <laughs> so today you're going to have to bear me with that excitement <laughs> oh sure sure no worries and i mean i thanks you know i think these are uh, kind words i mean i've been you know like incredibly lucky to be part have you know to have been part of this journey at either and uh kind of the company itself uh grow from uh, where we were when i joined and you know uh how like you know, how kind of each and every decision that we took uh on the product and uh on the infrastructure front as a as an org has uh has kind of led to where we are right now so yeah, and it's exciting, and uh, it's it's I'm part of an exciting journey still. So yeah, uh, of course I'm not uh, the sole designer. No, uh, no one's uh, the only designer of any any product, right? And sure, I've, sure, uh, yeah, of course. I've, I've I've you know I've been incredibly lucky and fortunate to to have been part of a team, not just a design team, but a design, engineering, product management, uh, and other functions where uh, that you know we, all of us wanted to do the same thing. All of us wanted to make the same kind of product. Correct. And I think uh, so. So without that support, uh, it, none of that is possible. So, and the design team, right? Like without a cast design team, uh, uh, you can't really make a make a good product. It's uh, and I think it's just that uh, it's really difficult to find that rapport, or you know, it takes a while to build that rapport or to build that kind of a sync with your team members or to. Definitely, there are so many things to talk about. Uh, let's start from the beginning. Uh, let's quickly talk about uh, you know your. Uh, design journey like from where it started uh like how was your childhood was there any influence uh were you always this person that you wanted to become a designer always or on the go you realized okay fine this is what i want to do in life how was how did that happen so i think two of my uh, favorite things to do in my childhood were uh, drawing and reading and uh so uh and I would just draw a lot. I would draw all the time. I've been really fortunate to have had parents uh, that you know who, who supported me, and uh, who let me uh, draw, basically scribble all over the walls with crayon. And uh, oh, yeah. I mean, nice. yeah. So my father's a chemical engineer. My mother's a zoologist, MSc in zoology. Wow. Uh, so my drawing. So my yeah. So I think my drawing side probably comes from uh, her side. So uh, oh. I we still have her. Uh, her journals from her MSc days um, mm-hmm. uh, at at our place, and uh, you know, she, like she 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 loved to draw uh, all those diagrammatic representations of uh, animals and um, so and and the labeling and all that. So 
I think my drawing side definitely comes from uh, my mother. So that's yeah. why they encouraged you to, you know, sketch, doodle, and paint the wall in the house. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. There was no stopping. Oh, and uh, there was no stopping. And you said uh, you were into reading. So Arun keeps on telling me that you are this uh, uh, Wikipedia of information. So you are into pop culture. Mm-hmm. You would know like uh, everything about motorcycles, history, different models, their specs, and everything. So yeah. So maybe reading has helped you in that segment. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I uh, I don't read as much as I used to. Uh, I think it's just uh, like um, a lot of your attention span now gets taken away by uh, literally things like WhatsApp. So, uh, but yeah, I used to, I used to read a lot, and uh, I, I mean anything I could get my hands on, I would read. So had uh, you know like uh, of course a ton of story books, you know. So of course you had brilliant publications from India like Tinkle. Tinkle mm. was just amazing. So you you had the you had things like Disney Today you uh, would get these gray imports. Uh, so I used to live in uh, New Bombay and you'd get these gray imports of DC comics. And oh. um, some, sometimes, I, yeah, some, occasionally I would get, uh, you know, my parents would buy me those. You would have uh, Superman and Batman. And then uh, you also had things like uh, individual comics, which had the, the Phantom and Mandrake. And I think uh, lo- read a lot of these things in my childhood. Then I had books about dinosaurs, and of course, you have grew up reading fairy tales and all that stuff. So that was, I think, one of those things. Uh, later, later, of course, um, like when I was around sixth or seventh standard, we would talk about cars and vehicles and, and oh, at home also uh, with your parents. Yeah, yeah. So my my dad and I would talk, and then uh, so I still remember when uh, I was in probably third standard. My brother was much younger, but my parents took us to this vintage car show, some Jamkana in Mumbai. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you would get to see. So I think it's just like uh, a- incredible exposure, right? Like you, you get to see these things. There was always this love for car, like vehicles in the family. And that has, has run for generations. Yeah, yeah. so I think I, I got, uh, my parents bought me an issue of uh, Auto India, like this oh. magazine that uh, used to be around back in the day. And wow. uh, I then became, a, and you know, I then became a subscriber. Turned out that subscription was actually cheap, and I ended up being a subscriber for like ten plus years, I think. Even after wow. I left home uh, to, to for higher studies, you know that magazine would still come to my face. Uh, <laughs> so I would read, I think, read each and every issue of that down to the last word, and every review. And they also would, you know, uh, have good writers like Alan Cathcart and uh, uh, I don't remember the others. But you would, and then that's where I found out about uh, vehicle design, automotive design. So okay. Till that point, till yeah. So before I was in sixth or seventh, uh, I wanted to be like like very early on in my childhood. I wanted to be an artist. Then I wanted to be in uh, an illustrator, cartoonist kind of a person. Wow. And okay. somewhere around sixth or seventh, seventh standard, I uh, wanted to be a vehicle designer. I think each one of these magazines, uh, some you know, some of the you would get some of the other sketch. Uh, it could be a some kind of a preview of an upcoming vehicle mm-hmm. or it could be like a speculative speculative sketch by right. the likes of uh, Glenn Kerr you know and uh, yeah those things were um, incredible and you would uh, so you knew I knew there was this thing called automotive design in fact uh, that was the only kind of design I knew I didn't really know about product design as such this is very unique so, thing about you you and your childhood because uh, most of the designers I meet uh, they would come to know about this vehicle design field like very late in their life, like after completing their engineering uh-huh. or during engineering, right, right, like that, right, right. And this right. is so incredible that uh, during your seventh standard itself, that you yeah, were. Yeah, I would, I would draw. 
I would draw a lot of cars and bikes and stuff. Wow. Uh, and it would, they would, I mean, it would still be, uh, you know, like uh, very um, crude uh, sketches, cr- crude doodles. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, most of my doodles are still crude, but uh, <laughs> so, doodles uh, are supposed to be crude, yeah, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. It was nice. I, I would always draw cars and bikes, and there was the only issue was there was no way to find out how to uh, like how to do this for a living. Enter uh, the field itself. Yeah, and enter this field itself. Uh, I did uh, like even in those magazines, you would get to hear about art center, and mm-hmm. you know a lot of the articles that. Uh, would uh, occasionally come uh, come out in those magazines would describe art center or uh, rca and uh, i had no clue how to how to even you know start applying to these places in any case uh, i think of course that was always one of the things that i wanted to do um, eventually in 12th i uh, i didn't do very well so uh, and i had um, i had i didn't really want to do anything else as well i didn't want to do engineering that was very clear i didn't want to do medicine even then, uh, I mean, I didn't appear for the pre-medical test, uh, okay. the, the entrance exam, <laughs> and I didn't study at all. And I still, I still scored close to my friends who seriously studied, you know, to get into medicine. Wow. So, uh, like, wait, what? what? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> that was quite funny. I remember someone asking me at that point, you know, what if, you know, you get a brilliant score in this pre-medical test? Uh, will you, will you go, for, go for medicine? And I said, no. So, <laughs> and they were pissed off. <laughs> so, so kya karega? BSc karega? Yeah, I think I had some clarity of what I want to do. Actually, what I didn't want to do. Mm. I didn't really have exact clarity about what I wanted to do. I didn't even want to do architecture because I heard uh, there was math in it. And I thought, maybe not. I think uh, I just wanted to get rid of math once and for all. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah. Actually, well, my, um, many a time, it is more important to know what you don't want to do. Like, uh, even, yeah, yeah. even with me, I, like things have happened like that only. Like in in school, mm-hmm. I was very sure that I didn't want to go into medical field because I hated biology. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I couldn't right. understand biology. So I ended up going to engineering. Now in engineering, mm-hmm. when that graphic drawing and everything was there, so I thought I want to do something related to sketching. So I chose mechanical engineering, not computer right, or anything. Right. And then right, eventually right. it became automobile because there was more sketching and diagrams involved. So, right, right, right. So, so it was all always about what you don't like, and then you select what you find it better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In fact, exactly right. Like even in math, I never liked uh, algebra or you know, but I like I love geometry. I love geometry. construction. I yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I think at a certain point, uh, you also could use a formula to draw an ellipse, right? So yes, that is yes. that like to, to plot the lines, and it and though, but frankly, I think I don't think. Uh, there was much of that in the curriculum itself. In any case, um, I joined BFA and I found it to be incredibly like uh, liberating, you know. And uh, yeah, so uh, I did my BFA at uh, Chitrakala Mahavidyalaya in Nagpur. Nagpur. Uh, and yeah, so the college is now known as Government College of Art and Design. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. So uh, I studied so there Mumbai, so you moved, four years. So from Mumbai, you moved to uh, Nagpur for no, no. your studies. Huh, so I we we lived in uh, Mumbai, Navi Mumbai till I was in fifth. Uh, mm-hmm. After which we moved to Nagpur, and uh, so sixth standard onwards, so I studied till the end of my graduation. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I think uh, like Bachelor of Fine Arts was uh, really really good. I enjoyed it, and uh, of course uh, it had nothing to do with vehicles, but I still enjoyed it because I 
I got to draw, I got to, you know, I got to sketch and all that. And uh, I had kind of figured maybe, you know, I'll, my, if I now don't get into automotive design, I was going to get into like a company that works with vehicles ever, you know, because of the mm-hmm. career path I'd chosen. And, uh, but I still uh, thought, you know, I could still do illustration. I still enjoy doing that stuff. I, I could do concept art or something on those lines. Nice. So, and you know, and uh, I think that around the time I joined my graduation, uh, access to the internet had become a little uh, better and uh, we got some internet at home and then uh, you you know you had cafes springing up here and there you already had those out there but i think at least access became easier so uh, you would uh, you kind of as you would kind of look around and search around so you would find out about things like concept art and like ha huh, hey this is exactly what i want to do mm. and, or, or what i one of the things i could potentially do yeah but i think the internet access, like access to internet opened up a like a wider world of uh, uh, information like, and like a, like. information right yeah, yeah 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 and so you can actually upload your work or you can talk about or you can see someone else's work or yeah, uh, yeah. so i think it's this it, must it, be it was just fascinating or five right like that time ha huh. so i i mean i joined my graduation 2002 and finished in 2006 so i had a few um, like i even have had a couple of theory subjects in college so one of them was history of art I aced oh. it. In fact, uh, wow. I'm uh, <laughs> like uh, I, I I used to love it, and uh, it's like I, I had the combination of things you love, no? Reading and then art. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so history of art was awesome, and uh, I did. I also had a great teacher. So thanks to her, I think uh, I did. I did well. I, what what I used to do was I would go the extra mile. Uh, I would go on the internet after you know, like uh, collecting my notes from class, wow. and then add information from there, and then make. proper notes like fair notes like from rough notes so uh, uh, that was uh, and again you know, it was just because uh, it was something that i would like to do in fact you would draw so much in college that uh, now writing was like this uh, you know thing that you would look forward to so uh, right yeah right. it was uh, it was nice it was uh, but so uh, yeah having we had a couple of theory subjects and that that was it and your uh, uh, your studies kept getting more and more advanced uh, mm. as you progressed in the course So uh, when did you decide to you know pursue automobile design? Like when you were doing BFA, you were enjoying it for sure. So how did that transition uh, happen? Deep down inside, I I always, always wanted. wanted to do vehicles. Uh, it didn't seem like it was possible at that time, and uh, but I would I would still draw vehicles. I would still you know that was still a thing that I would do on the side. I would still read about vehicles. So that that love for automobiles never died, or okay. the love for cars and bikes never died. in fact uh, i think uh, one of the things that i realized was when we moved from like uh, mumbai to nagpur right uh, mumbai is a place where uh, you can just get out of your house and uh, you have access to public transport like i don't know about now but you back then you really didn't need a personal vehicle in mumbai at all uh, but moving to nagpur i think uh, the whole uh, it's a very different place so everyone has a two wheeler uh, you know and you know everyone has multiple two wheelers in their house right <laughs> yeah. and i think it's a it's a proper two wheeler city and i think the love for bikes as well you know comes from there i would uh, so when i was like growing up in my 6th and even seven, the roads then, are you know, pretty good over there right roads roads are nice roads are damn nice so yeah. uh, so and i was growing up i had a couple of older uncles who had two stroke bikes you would kind of start discovering things as you get you know kind of discovering things about vehicles in general mm. so that's where i saw for the first time i noticed like that uh, there's a speedometer and then uh, there's this thing that uh, 
the vehicle's not moving, but then uh, the needle's moving as uh, as you rev the vehicle. So oh, that's ah. the tachometer. Oh, RPM. <laughs> oh, and uh, but yeah, I think those uh, two-stroke bikes were just insane. Uh, you would always aspire to uh, like kind of grow up and buy one of those things. Um, <laughs> I, I remember uh, when the love for motorcycles began from Nagpur itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that is that was definitely one of the turning points in terms of like otherwise. Yeah, I would probably have just like cars alone. I I like cars and bikes both. So uh, after that, you decided to go to ITC uh, and pursue yes. visual communication, right? Yeah. So again, uh, I always wanted to study design. Uh, mm-hmm. That was always very clear. I I applied and I applied to NID. I failed the NID entrance test. Uh, so and I uh, sat for seed. So I luckily did decently well in seed, and uh, I then. Uh, attended the studio test i had a portfolio and in fact my portfolio one good thing at least during my graduation was that i was again encouraged by my parents to you know like uh, you know if you do get a side gig if you do get a job on the side just do it like uh, and like at least when as long as you're studying you don't need to worry about getting paid or you know i mean if you get paid it's a bonus because you know you have a support system at home right that's a, oh. that is one of the yeah your so, parents are like but, really support you because yeah, yeah. unlike yeah, other indian yeah. parents they are always you know forcing you to get that settled job and decent salary and things like that and they'll always you know avoid you from all these uh, side gigs as you said ha ah, no but uh, yeah crazy like uh, both uh, at least my brother and i have been really fortunate to you know to kind of have had that kind of support like a large format printing agency i did some design work for them in exama wow. in sort work full time in the summer and sometimes part time during my college days and then i worked for a media production house i did some illustration and animation for them did some website work for them wow. um and i did a few other things what i what happened was all those things that i did uh, ended up in my portfolio and uh, most of like my portfolio was like uh, was that work and uh, not as much academic work uh, from bfa so it was also one of those things like doing all those uh, things helped me and get the get the skills required to actually construct a portfolio like uh, to to you know like what format do you make it in how do you lay out how do you put a, put your work in a layout how do you yeah. get it printed it was just nice it's um, uh, at least getting to work on those things gave me some hands on experience sure and, sure, sure. Uh, yeah actually uh, like whenever i meet uh, students design students i like really encourage them to you know go and get these uh, side internships uh, while doing the college because uh, you know studying in the college is one thing but then getting that hands on experience you know like as you mentioned the printing studio it doesn't yeah, matter yeah. like uh, in fact it will be better if you end up going to various industries because you will get uh, various knowledge you will become like this package at the end of your college you will become this package which you know you can yeah, propose yeah. it to for better opportunities so yeah, yeah i yeah. think and this is very uh, fascinating that uh, you did bfa so you were always good in art you had this good uh, information because you used to read a lot then uh, you were into car illustrations then you went into visual communication and then as side gig yeah, you yeah. did uh, work with printing studios media yeah that was uh... so like i am pretty sure by the by the time you have finished your idc degree you are like this person with like immense amount of knowledge around art and design so that is I, super cool actually. i i uh... 
I I yeah it it sounds cool but I don't think it was that cool. Uh, see, <laughs> I think uh, like again you know the, the work that I like, the side gigs that I did for example were mostly during my graduation. So where I mm. could like whether uh, you know like uh, the college curriculum was such that um, you would of course you know you would have to work hard. But then uh, there would be times when you could uh, kind of uh, uh, like you could spend your evenings doing something else. So you could spend your summers. You had longer summer vacations, right? So right. hence the side gigs you know which happened. Summer jobs, right? I think IDC was totally different. IDC, in fact, was uh, like uh, far more structured, and uh, you were on your toes with college work. Before we proceed, uh, one thing that I would like to say is that uh, you know, if you're like two students, if you do a a part-time job or if you do, just please ensure that you get paid. Tell me more about IDC. How was first of all? I have this very curious question that uh, because you came mm-hmm. from BFA background, which is like a pure artistic, creative kind of a environment. and then you ended up uh, in idc now idc i know when it comes to design it will be more free and liberating but uh, it comes under this very you know technical ambience of iit like very yeah, nerdy yeah. technical people so how was the difference in the cultures and how was idc in all actually it it helps for idc to be part of iit bombay mm-hmm. uh, because uh, as a as a you know, first of all as a department you kind of work with other departments you have you can actually you have so many opportunities to work together uh, on so many things and uh, design being part of a technical institute uh, yeah i mean it 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 helps a lot at least for uh, in terms of idc i think it's worked very well in terms of how the how the courses are structured how your uh, how your projects are kind of planned out for you and uh, what kind of uh, you know modules you actually have to uh, undergo right. so Uh, again, you know, and and design and art are very different things, and uh, uh, which I think I did like face some difficulties in that transition. I think one of the big best things about IDC is one, your batchmates and seniors who uh, who are from different backgrounds, who are from different faculties, mm-hmm. and uh, someone might be working on someone would be working on a gas cylinder, or someone would be working on, uh, and you would get to see that, and you know, you could. I mean, it's it's. it's quite open that way or you would have you know visitor visitors coming on from outside who would talk about like i remember the founder of co 77 had uh, had had dropped by co 77 and co floor oh, and nice. it just so yeah yeah so it's just so nice to you know to just hear from these people right so i think that Correct. exposure is incredible um being part of iit bombay as a student you like, again you know it's all upon all up to you but uh, you can choose to walk into any any department and talk to a student and professor or you know you uh you can make friends with uh, you know in your hostel uh, mm. with people from different departments you know and uh, it's uh, you like they have an incredible library and i loved going there all the time uh, also because i was a bit of a loner i had a couple of friends but i was mostly <laughs> a loner otherwise i would be walking around campus i had a small camera with me which i would oh, uh, nice. take keep with you know yeah which i would keep with me all the time so i would just take pictures of uh, random things and uh, sometimes birds sometimes snakes oh leopards <laughs> <laughs> yeah. also sometimes so uh, <laughs> no i so in fact uh, i remember uh, reading about uh, a leopard uh, you know which had come to campus to campus uh, and yeah. uh, literally like and but i read about it in the newspaper the leopard entered there was a cage they caught it and released it all in the span of a few hours Correct. so most of the like most of i i didn't even come to know about that and yeah <laughs> Oh. So yeah, I think leopards yeah, are regular yeah. visitors there. I've heard, I've heard instances of leopards uh, coming into hostels and dragging like 
stray dogs away crazy oh wow okay yeah yeah crazy crazy but the campus is very anyway. beautiful and oh, it's, um, it's pretty it's super pretty i just want to like uh, conclude this segment about idc uh, sure, sure. that sure, sure. Uh, i think when it comes to iit uh, because mm-hmm. i come from nid and uh, nid is just bunch of creative individuals right uh but mm-hmm. I, and we always struggle to have that uh, collaborations with engineers or programmers or coders you know tech people basically so uh, right right but i think iit uh, provides that you know very good uh, what do you say environment where engineers are also there like the best engineers in yes, the yes. in the country yes, yes, and then yes, designers yes. are also there so it will be very yes. uh, exciting to you know collaborate with them you know work on something which where both of the world can you know uh, yeah, yeah. combine together and produce something very functional and practical so i think yeah, yeah. that ways idc or iits they are like uh, very good for designers i feel yeah it was it was really nice and i think what you said uh, does make complete sense uh, it being there uh, you have opportunities to uh, to work with other teams on you know say a, a joint project or something uh, in fact as students you know students there are student driven initiatives also right where uh, you yeah. are part of a formula formula sa team and someone from idc might help them do some of the body work and uh, you know like uh, yeah. the graphics and then the oh. the sponsorship brochures that and all that so i think that cool, has yeah. happened yeah yeah that's yeah. so we talked about your idc journey uh, now let's right uh, let's go to a uh, little bit into your professional journey so i know that uh, pvs was your first uh, kind of a proper professional job as a vehicle designer right and right. then right. you moved to ather eventually uh, when again when i was in idc uh, of course uh, i didn't really have uh, i mean i was doing visual communication right uh, a few of my projects were closer to product design than visual communication so like okay. my final thesis project was actually redesign of coins of course there was a big vc part in it uh, so where you know you had uh, typography and uh, and even like uh, even a bit wow. of graphic design in there but of course you know the, the functional aspect of the coin itself also was equally important when it came to quick identification tactile uh, feel and then uh, your uh, you know like especially for blind people so certain aspects of product design had seeped in there uh, it wasn't pure visual communication um, also a couple of research projects that i did uh, you know that i was part of when i was in idc had to do with phone usage so that again had to do with usability as a at, at its core um, it was driven by language but uh, that was one uh, and yeah and i also attended a module in idc uh, which was uh, again you know which was a which was a credit course for product design students but uh, since i was i was not from product design uh, but since i had requested uh, you know uh, whether i could if i could join that course uh, and since they let me i was allowed to sit through it without credits uh, okay. without you know and that was okay and i just wanted to do that so i had uh, so i had a teammate uh, pushkar who has his own design firm now has his own design service now and okay. uh, so so we we worked on uh, this uh, urban like a very sporty urban like one by one meter platform commute vehicle like a runabout so it was fun doing that maybe someday i would like to revisit that uh, project so uh, our professor had a standard one by one meter kind of a format uh, it was like a platform of an electric vehicle with uh, um, two uh, two members that came out and held two front wheels and you had rear wheels which were like casters so the steering would be just through variable torque Uh, so it was very basic but we still made like something extremely sporty out of it and uh, it was fun doing that uh, got to learn a couple of things there uh, but of course uh, my portfolio when i passed out uh, had some of that work and uh, some of my own personal explorations of personal sketches so 
I didn't get placed during official placement season anywhere. I also mm-hmm. didn't appear for a few companies that I wasn't really interested in in the first place. Okay. Uh, I hadn't really figured out what I was going to do when I left IDC. Uh, I had a couple of like uh, I was interviewing at a couple of places, a couple of design firms in in Mumbai. Um, when TVS kind of reached out to IDC, and I was you know since uh, I mean I was there, I was sitting among the, among the two, two three people who hadn't been placed. So I applied and uh, they called me for another interview. So again, you know, um, they what they were looking for was more of a person who did uh, uh, graphics and you know color and that stuff. Uh-huh. Not exactly CMF, but yeah, and, uh, it, they had kind of made it clear about what work they were going to give me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, for me, it was uh, this opportunity of entering the automotive industry, and that was the most important aspect. And uh, I, I was, uh, I was like, I was happy to just just join and be part of that. Right, right. that and, dream uh, from your seventh standard was yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. At least part of part of an automotive, if not if not designing vehicles directly, at least but working at least on entering. Yeah, entering. Yeah, again, you know, not with not a very uh, thought through structured plan, but at least uh, uh, coming closer to at least being being part of. Uh, a place where there's there are just vehicles around, right, all the time. Right. So yeah, yeah, when you join fresh out of college, right, you uh, you have all these ideas about uh, what you want to do there, right? And I think that's a very that I'm pretty sure you've also experienced that. So uh, right. so I think that that entire um, uh, the entire fresh set of thoughts and beliefs, and then you kind of actually get to see how vehicles are made, how vehicles are designed and produced and manufactured, and uh, the amount of engineering that goes in behind these each one of these products. Uh, one good thing about TVS was. Uh, uh, you know the kind of exposure that you would get uh, like they had a product library and uh, i would go there i would uh, look at uh, so they had some fascinating vehicles there and uh, there was a, a classic katana there and i would oh. go yeah, yeah so i would just go i would just go stare, stare at it and come back you know and uh, so it was brilliant and yeah so they had, they had a lot of these uh, really cool products they had tiny indonesian uh, bikes like i remember there was a very slim cbr 150r i believe and uh, then you would get maxi scooters, and then you would get these very tiny Japanese the scooters. And all that. Yeah. Now, of course, you had these Indonesian, uh, uh, you know, the, the Asian market, Bebex and Scubex and all these products. Correct. But yeah. you also got to see other bigger bikes occasionally, and uh, yeah, that was nice. It was just nice to just go stare at these products, touch them, feel them, and you know, and come back to, to your desk. TVS also has the best racing department in the country yeah. among any Indian OEM, right? So, and I think you could walk into there, uh, you could walk into that department, and uh, as long as you know you wouldn't touch anything, and, and if you ask them questions, they would they would be glad to answer, and they would take you around. So it wow. is it's like that candy shop kind of a feel. You just go there and <laughs> look at uh, every race vehicle that follows. You know, as you keep going deeper inside departments, it just goes more and more insane, and um, you wow. keep wondering how you know, someone would even ride these things. So uh, I think that exposure helped. I mean, I, I think it cemented an understanding of motorcycles in a better better way. Mm. And of course, uh, in TVS, I ended up making friends. Who you know now who are now our common friend, right? and I think that was another uh, another really good fun aspect of uh, being there. So sure, yeah, uh, it was yeah we had a lot of fun in there. Actually, uh, yeah, if you are like when you are telling me all this, uh, these things are not easily available out there in the market. Like uh, access to exotic bikes, access to iconic you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. scooters and motorcycle and things like that. And then with TVS, uh, I understand when you are saying this racing department and all, no? uh, because TVS is the only Indian company by far who has some kind of a racing structure around them. So they have their racing team, they have their racing track, uh, they have this uh, performance-oriented yes. research going on. Now with this RR310, uh, there are so many other activities that are happening. So I'm pretty sure TVS would be this very uh, uh, cool place for uh, these, uh, like you know, curious designers who are into motorcycles and two-wheelers and racing. 
like being uh, being part of a big OEM, you have resources readily available, like a product library. Uh, it's you can learn there uh, based on your own initiative if you want to know. But if you're just curious, so yeah, I think that was that was it. It was really nice. One pivotal thing I think was uh, we had a we had a masterclass in TVS. Uh, okay. By a by a really well known professor from a well known institute uh, abroad, and uh, he, uh, I think, so most designers were taken off work for a week, like okay. close to like a yeah yeah like seven eight days, and then uh, all of us were put into this uh, master class, and uh, wow, it was insane. It was literally like going back to college. So the thing was, you just had to make a motorcycle. Uh, it could have two wheels, it could have three wheels. Oh, but it's designed for a specific purpose, and. Uh, you have to be very clear about your where your inspiration comes from. So one of the lines that uh, that professor said was honor your inspiration. So honor your inspiration. I think, uh, and then what he meant by that, he also explained, you know, and uh, like he explained things about abstraction. He explained things about uh, you know like product intent, even while designing. So he would do these very free, loose sketches, but they would have so much character in them. And what was his uh, name? so I think, if I may ask, so his uh, his name was Professor Bamsaklem. I think uh, God, I uh, remember making a, a three like a reverse strike taxi. Oh, cab, a covered taxi cab. Yeah, so it was nice working on that uh, just for a week and uh, putting uh, putting all your energy into that. Going to auto expos, I think, was another like dream, right? In your childhood, you would yeah, read yeah. about it in auto magazines, and then you're getting to visit these expos in person. So, and since you're part of the uh, since you're part of uh, an exhibitor contingent, right? You can you have early access. Even before all the stalls open, press the uh, like, yeah yeah so attend right yeah yeah so yeah yeah so I remember sitting in so many supercars and you know sitting on <laughs> so many superbikes in that expo just you know yeah. like, because uh, I could just go anywhere I wanted so that was nice yeah I think uh, in all what you are saying is the kind of exposure you got uh, not just to the exciting product but also things like auto expo and then also meeting like these. Uh, High-level uh, strategy people, where small small decisions will, you know, create a whole new impact uh, on the profit and the entire business part of the company. All yeah, those yeah. things are like yeah, very yeah. pivotal. Awesome. So tell me, uh, like, when all this was happening, how did Ather happen? Because I'm pretty sure when so, you got to know about Ather, Ather might not be this giant uh, company which it is today. It might have been in a very uh, nascent stage that time, right? Yes. So when I got to know about Ather, Ather was basically two people, the co-founders, and one wow. intern. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. One so uh, three people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. So that's when I had uh, met them, and uh, wow. I had uh, so I met them. You know, so I uh, I was visiting someone uh, uh, at the IIT Madras campus, and uh, turns out that they were part of a formal SA team. And then uh, I, oh. you know, I, they they excitedly took me to the the formal SA uh, workshop, and then. Uh, we talked about like aero one body work and uh, i you know kind of had right. some ideas of what they what they could do and all it was just like a it was just you know i went there as a friend of you know i went there because i had a friend who was studying there so uh, uh so and then when we started talking about this uh, i ended up meeting you know through through those through that team i ended up meeting uh, tarun and Sopnil. and uh, wow. so uh, yeah so the co-founders and then we we generally i think uh, uh, struck uh, a similar chord in terms of uh, this is which ideas year? of what. So uh, this is uh, 2014, like a little before I had uh, before I had officially before I quit TVS and joined. Not having a hub motor was one of the things that we uh, that we struck a chord on. I still remember. So uh, <laughs> the, we had these conversations and uh, like 
it was uh, i mean i had uh, i had been working on good good projects uh, but uh, i thought you know uh, you know let you know if i don't make this move now uh, i might not be able to explore something absolutely new mm-hmm. and i'd always been fascinated by electric vehicles so uh, this was uh, a step that i you know i was uh, like uh, i happily took wow so it's a complete uh, yeah. leap of faith and uh, yeah 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 <laughs> it's it's so exciting to know that uh, you have seen ether to grow from like those three people to now what yeah, yeah. 1500 1600 employees of company yeah yeah what was it like like how did this uh, design of ether came into picture like you started from like having very small number of employees or team uh, and then you yes, know shaping yeah. up this entire gigantic company which it is today so what was that journey yeah, like yeah. It, some of these things were very clear that we would uh, we wanted to make a scooter uh, because scooters have a wider appeal and also uh, an inherent relevance to an urban scenario right uh, yeah. where like if you if you have to kind of uh, if you have to make a product that uh, gets you the best of uh, an electric drive train uh, with you know uh, in the in a in a cost structure that still works for a customer mm. uh, at least uh, to a large extent you and you know you still want to you know you still want to have uh, tech on the vehicle that uh, enables the customer to do more and more i mm. think uh, the logical answer uh, was a scooter and uh, we were also kind of uh, very clear about it being it not being a conventional scooter from that point of view so one of the biggest uh, one of the biggest uh, things that we like you know we wanted to kind of uh, break the notion mm-hmm. of was uh, electric vehicles and uh, lack of performance right till that point uh, in the market every electric vehicle would uh, was sourced from outside and uh, True, it would typically yeah. be a you know, like a white label almost a white label product that some company in india would just slap their label on and sell and those products were obsolete they suffered from uh, you know like uh, a lot of uh, issues uh, in, right apart from the inherent uh, apart from the, apart from the inherent obsolete technology itself the obsolete drivetrain itself it they suffered from bad build quality and uh, offering no other experience to the to customers uh, on the other hand uh, you end up paying a lot more for these products because you know you keep need to keep replacing the battery so uh, we looked at all these things and we realized that uh, like uh, there is a space where uh, that exists for a product that mm. um, that uh, that can cost less to run but it doesn't need to be a cheap product it doesn't have to be uh, and it it doesn't have to have uh, it it could have great performance i mean uh, the the biggest thing about any electric motor is that you get instant torque right and why why won't you take advantage of that torque so selecting the right motor selecting the right kind of battery chemistry selecting the right wow. kind of uh, uh, yeah certain right kind of battery placement i think all these became crucial to each product decision but what we knew was we wanted to make a a performance scooter hmm. and uh, that was the starting point we started with uh, 24 odd key sketches yeah so 24 odd key sketches from which we uh, converged to eight and from which we you know which we developed a little bit from which we uh, came down to two and which we came down to one which uh, essentially is the vehicle that you see out on the roads today tell me something like during that time uh, there was so much fun about evs right like uh, the ev won't have that uh, in a range or things like that how did you yeah, yeah, yeah. tackle those things and uh, when these guys were you know approaching investors and all that so were you also part of that or uh, only founders used to go there no i think it was mostly mostly the founders who would do okay. these pitches to investor as a company we had uh, we had design we had you know at least we had design sketches we had design concepts that mm-hmm. uh, that kind of also became a supporting uh, 
big supporting part of these stretches, I guess, in the early stages. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think um, the the thing about range is that uh, we tested a lot of existing electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. And apart from that, everyone also uses vehicles in general. Right? Everyone like a lot of people have a Formula SA background. A lot of people have uh, in general a love for vehicles and racing and other things. But coming back to a daily usage of vehicles, you if you kind of uh, analyze it and if you understand uh, the actual amount you ride in a city on a daily basis, uh, we kind of realize that you like, you don't need a, a crazy amount of range if you just charge your vehicle regularly and and that and that charging habit can just like be just like it could just be like charging your phone, right? Yeah, uh, you can become a part uh, of your life. Yeah, so you, right? you could you could of course park in you can you can charge in public if you're you know uh, at a fast charging point uh, if you do have the you know, if, if you start running out, if you do have an emergency of some sort, mm-hmm. but otherwise, I think charging at home uh, should be, you know, overnight charging at home should be enough. You can add more battery. You can add more cells, right? You can be, mm-hmm. make a bigger battery, but it impacts weight. It impacts handling. So I think all these factors have to be balanced very well. Balanced, yeah, right. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Shantanu, tell me something like uh, we often have uh, this discussion about EVs uh, being a second bike second utility scooter something like that so uh, people will people usually say that uh, you would need a fuel vehicle which is like a normal commuter bike petrol fueled and uh, which which will be like ready to use and then there will be another second scooter which can be ev so which you will use for shorter commutes and going to the market and nearby places and all that because right, right. their their major question is their major anxiety is that uh, what if uh, you have to go somewhere on an emergency basis and then you find out that uh, the scooter is not completely charged or something like that so do you think yeah, do you right. think this is right or in future it's going to completely change uh, in in a scenario where this ev scooter or ev mobility will become like the primary commuting vehicle in the family what do you think about that when you kind of work at an ev company one of the biggest things we realized is that uh, vehicles are only one part of the equation it is mm. charging infrastructure which is the which is an equally important part of your entire business. Uh, and that charging infrastructure is, of course, one part of it is public charging. Mm-hmm. The second part of it is, home, the other part is home charging. I, I think what we would like to keep ensuring is that uh, you should be able to charge at home. Uh, home, home charging is slow charging. If you do have to get out there in an, in an emergency, you should have access to uh, a fast public charger, uh, mm-hmm. not too far from, say, where you live or where you work or where you have to commute. So. Uh, spreading uh, a charging infrastructure network all over uh, where, all over every city, every town becomes uh, import, very important. important. And uh, I think if you, yeah, yeah. so if you do go to uh, a public charging point uh, in 15 minutes, you will get uh, more than 15 kilometers of range uh, topped up to your, you know, and it is, it is fast. And uh, it, it, it will get sli- uh, a little faster over, you know, like that is how technology evolves, right? So it will get faster for everyone, mm-hmm. uh, at least as far as urban usage is concerned. It's, far more convenient for me to ride uh, an electric scooter. So I would look at a petrol vehicle as a secondary vehicle. Uh, <laughs> and you know, like okay. where, where, you know, which, which, and which opens up your, at least for the moment, uh, keeps your long distance uh, oh. aspirations and needs uh, ready. That's, a, that's an interesting thing, which you said, actually. Yeah, yeah. If you, if you think like that, because you are not doing long distance commute every day, what you're doing yeah, every yeah. day is a short commute, right? To offices, like city commute. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And yeah. that is your primary necessity when it comes to mobility. And EV can right. for sure provide that. So that way, right. the argument becomes like completely opposite. So EV is your primary yeah, yeah. vehicle. And then 
Petrol vehicle is like a secondary vehicle which you will use for only long distance commute, where range is like very important. Yeah, yeah. There are there are examples of uh, customers of uh, even like uh, electric. Uh, so yeah, customers of Tata, Nexon, EVs, and mm. our own customers who have uh, who have uh, of course this is a very small percentage of customers right now, uh, but who have uh, successfully like done an intercity uh, traveling uh, yeah. by figuring out uh, where to charge and how to charge and for how long to charge. True, true, true. But of course, this is this is still the adventurous type of uh, of persona right now. So yeah. I guess this will start permeating into other, you know, there are apparently from what I've heard, there are hotels and uh, 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 homestays which have started providing charging setups for mm-hmm. travelers. So I guess things should, you know, things will improve on that front. True. I think, I think it's part of the lifestyle. Like uh, I think yeah. we can completely uh, compare uh, this EV scenario with smartphones. Initially smartphones, you know, uh, like big big screen smartphones when came in picture, battery became like the huge problem. Before that, Nokia phones used to come, which we used to charge like once in two, three days. And then smartphones, it became like a necessity to charge every single night, right? And uh, initially there was reluctance, but then eventually it became part of the lifestyle. Now nobody complains about yeah. that, right? So I think similar yeah, kind yeah. of thing will happen with EVs also. Now people are yes thinking like that, range might be a problem, charging might be a problem. But once you get used to that lifestyle, then yes, yes. Like you will be sure that every morning your vehicle is completely charged. It's ready to go exactly. and perform the entire day. Exactly. 